0: Um, I love classical music, you know, Joe loves classical music and um, I got to conduct choirs uh, when I was in the seminary and even I went to one parish it's where I met Joe, I, I took over the, the choir for a while because they les- lost their choir director, it just was of a circumstance. But I never got to conduct an orchestra, which I would have loved and I've imagined it many times. And here you are with woodwinds and and brass and strings four levels of strings and timpani and all kinds of percussion and and you've got this piece of music and you're conducting a theme but you're bringing things out and and at this moment you bring out the woodwinds and then the trumpets and 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 you've got this vision of this whole piece well today these scriptures are like that it's like a a, a wonderful orchestra and there's themes and motifs and all kinds of things now this is one that you probably know. And if you do, I'll ask you to hum it with me, okay? (laughs) 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 Okay, now there's a beautiful theme. And in that Ninth Symphony, Beethoven will start pulling things out and just molding and building this just incredible, incredible symphony the word is that today if there's a theme or motif it's clearly about building the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven that's our call that's our challenge that's where all the life is but these scriptures today pull together in some beautiful ways and I'm I'm gonna pull woodwinds out and different things along the way I want to start by saying this it's not exactly written in the scriptures today But it is um, a beautiful description of the way God relates to us. And Jesus says, love one another as, ah, love one another as I have loved you. And how has he loved us? Well, of course, he died, died for our sins, died on the cross in love and forgiveness as he died. But he has loved us and still loves us as sinners. He doesn't say, get perfect and then I'll love you. He doesn't say, build the kingdom, do everything right, and then I'll love you. He loves us as sinners. Are we willing to love one another like that? Are we willing to love our fellow sinners and be loved as a sinner by others? What a different world it would be if we were like that. What a difference in marriage. I mean... Uh, Why do we expect our husband or our wife to be perfect? They're all sinners. But if we could love the sinner and honestly share with them how we feel about their sin, especially as it might affect us. For example, if we live with a grump, he or she, either one, could we, instead of fighting about it, say, honey, I want to say something and just ask you, just please hear me. I don't want to discuss it or, or fight about it, but I just want to say, you know, when you say things sarcastically to me and grumpy, it hurts. And I w- I don't want you to not say things to me, but I wish you could say it differently. That's it. I walk away. Let them know how we feel. Gotta let them know how we feel. We don't have to fight. Hit them over the head. Love one another as I loved you. And then we kept saying or singing in this responsorial psalm this phrase, Lord, I love your commands. I love your commands. The law of your mouth is to me more precious than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I love your commands. I love your commands more than gold, however fine. For in all your precepts I go forward. And this was the the phrase, that jumped at me I always I, I, as I listen different things hit me at different masses and this was the one that hit me every false way I hate every false way I hate what are the false ways they're the things that are not of the kingdom really and the kingdom uh, of God the kingdom of heaven the precepts of the Lord are the things that call us to true ways love one another as i have loved you that's a true way a false way is you get me i'll get you right back as i love to say not because i love it but because it's so true we're raised on a, a litigious society that says somebody hurts you sue them get them pay them back is it not so now i firm believe that sometimes growing up you have to punch someone in the face you do They beat you up, they're bullies, and sometimes you just have to punch them in the face once and they'll walk away. Do it again and see what happens. But that's not a way to live life. Sue them! Get them! Pay them back! And the way that Jesus lives life, the true way, as he would put it, would be to love and forgive. To love and forgive. Love one another as I have loved you. Someone who got that long before Jesus came on the scene, because it's a kingdom way, it's also a gospel way, was Solomon, son of David. And after David died and he became king, filling the shoes of his father, in a dream, you heard it, God spoke to him and said, you ask me anything, because you're the king now, you ask me anything that you want, and I will give it to you. And then this revelation, this amazing, no wonder he's king. He said, Lord, give me an understanding heart so that I can rule these people. An understanding heart. And even God's surprised in this. He says, whoa, whoa. You could have asked for riches. You could have asked for health. You could have even asked for a long life or all of the above. And all you asked for was an understanding heart. He says, I will give it to you. I will give it to you in abundance. What do we ask for? What do we want from God? Do we believe that if we ask it sincerely with all our heart that we'll get it? Is what we want material stuff or kingdom stuff? And if we ask for the stuff of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. This is the stuff that fills our spirit and shapes and forms us as different people. Look at Solomon, an understanding heart. So the gospel, it all pulls together da da da. da. Here it is, the theme. You got to want the kingdom of God more than anything. The kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus. And in that is the stuff of life that really matters. So the Gospel says in three different parables and then a, a fourth statement, in three parables, so the kingdom of God, this is what it's like because it's really hard to define it, by the way. The kingdom of God is not a place. It's not a thing. It's, it's a way of being. It's, it's a, a way of entering into life differently. Jesus says, he's always preaching about the kingdom of God. He says, hmm, the kingdom of God is like this. You're out in a field one day, and you discover and uncover a treasure. And you say, OMG, OMG. So you take the treasure to another place in the field where no one's watching. You dig a hole and put it in there. And then you go sell everything you have and buy that field so you can have the treasure. It's something like that. Or, the kingdom of God is like a person who loves pearls, rare pearls, and finally finds the rarest pearl they have ever seen. So, in order to get it, they sell everything they have. So they can buy that rare pearl. But what do you need? You want the pearl is the only thing that matters to me. It's all that matters, to have this pearl. Or the kingdom of God? Well, whatever it's like. Whatever it's like for you, for me. Something so precious, that's what we want. Now, Jesus then introduces this third image, and it's really um, fortunate and unfortunate. It's unfortunate because people, I think, misunderstand it. He talks about the kingdom of heaven being like, fishing and getting good and bad fish alike and they after you filled your nets and everything with the fish then you separate them out the good fish you keep you're gonna eat them but the bad fish you throw away burn them and it'll be like that at the end of time and basically the way people hear it is if you've sinned a lot you'll burn in hell well uh, uh, the reason I don't think uh, that that Jesus meant that literally um, and as a place and burning is because it's a form of language in the Bible it's end times language it's it's there are whole books that use this end time language Daniel apocalypse um, it's it's a way of saying something about the present by talking about the end so you say to somebody who um, doesn't wear their mask say uh, you better be careful you're gonna die of COVID And then they do. So you say it, not because you're predicting it, although it is kind of a prediction, but because you want them to change their behavior right now. You don't wear your mask, you're going to die of COVID-19. Uh-oh, I'll wear my mask. It's about changing the present. So Jesus uses this language, this apocalyptic language, because it, it was a typical language. All the prophets used it. But the whole point was to change today. And what was so urgent to Jesus? Become a kingdom people. Become a gospel people. And why? I believe the gospel and the preaching of the kingdom of God is really, in a way, it's selfish. It's about becoming a people of peace, an integrated people. da 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 da, da. Wow! you hear that theme you just want to pass out it's so beautiful what happens to us if we become a kingdom people a gospel people so we spend our whole lives trying to focus on that as the most important thing follow the teaching of Jesus Christ love one another as I have loved you I hate false ways I hate them I don't want to live false ways now even when we choose the kingdom and the gospel I guarantee it you're not going to live it I'm not going to live it perfectly I'm absolutely convinced about Jesus preaching about the gospel about the kingdom of God absolutely convinced but I don't live it every day I don't live it every moment and that's why I I, I really urge you uh, as one way of attempting to get it more and more those little cards I gave Matthew Kelly I still have some, I just don't have them on me right now. Uh, I did mine this morning with my coffee, I always do. I don't always do all seven steps, but I always do the first two at least. I spend some time just thanking God that I got up and I'm alive still at 70. Uh, that's a feat. I thank God for my health, my relative health, because I've had my problems like most of us. I thank God really for this community, because it's a very welcoming and loving community and very generous to me personally. And I thank God that I've got a, a house to get up in in the morning. I mean, there's people living at the river and get off on Verdugo Boulevard and there's a couple tents there and it's so sad. I don't know what I would do if I, I didn't have that. I'm so grateful. So I always start with gratitude. It's the attitude. But the next step is the one that that helps me to become more uh, a kingdom person every day. Matthew Kelly puts it this way, and it's great because in the seminary, I did this examination of conscience. We called it an examen every day, twice a day, at night prayer and morning prayer. So at night prayer, we went through the list, and it was all negative, always negative. Where did you sin? Where did you blow it? Where did you fail? Um, And that was where we were in the 60s and 70s. Where have I blown it? where have i not been enough always negative but matthew kelly introduces this he says think of the last 24 hours when you were your best version of yourself and when you were not your worst version but not your best your best and not your best and just think about those when describe those moments when you you were being your best self and then not your best self And then after you've exposed that, just talk to God about it. It's wonderful. So I'm able to notice all the times that I was loving. I was a kingdom person, a gospel person. And I say, wow, fabulous. But I missed an opportunity with this person. And I talked about that person. And I was negative about this one and hard on myself. And and then have a little discussion with God about it. And for me, it always moves me to how can I move in the direction of being more a kingdom person, a gospel person? Because I want to hate the false ways and love the ways that bring about the best. So Solomon today, this is a person who knew himself and he knew what the situation was that he was walking into. Good God, I'm going to be king of these people. I have to rule them and make all kinds of decisions so give me money and give me health no give me an understanding heart an understanding heart so I know how to respond to them rule and guide them be a real king over them what a prayer for parents God give me an understanding heart so I know how to guide and rule these children that I've been given God, give me an understanding heart so I know how to respond to my husband and wife, especially when they're not so nice. Love one another as I loved you. The message is clear. And quite frankly, it's all gift.